This is the Build Wealth Canada podcast, episode number 56. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hi, it's Cornell, and welcome to the Build Wealth Canada show. So, house hunting season has officially begun, so I thought it would be a good idea to have an insider from the mortgage industry on the show to learn some top tips on getting the lowest possible mortgage rate, whether you're looking for a new mortgage or have one that you'll need to renew soon. Now, in the interview, we also look at what else you should look for in a mortgage in addition to just getting the lowest rate possible. In other words, what are the different clauses or contract terms that you should look out for when getting a new mortgage or renewing your existing one? And our industry insider and mortgage expert will tell us what sales and marketing tactics and tricks we should look out for from banks and other mortgage providers. Last but definitely not least, we discuss the pros and cons of the different ways that you can get your mortgage. For instance, do you use a mortgage broker? Do you go directly to a bank or credit union? Or do you just use one of the many mortgage comparison sites out there? So I'd like to welcome back Sean Cooper as our mortgage expert guest. He is now the best-selling author of the book, Burn Your Mortgage, The Simple Powerful Path to Financial Freedom for Canadians. He bought his first house when he was only 27 in Toronto and paid off his mortgage in just three years by age 30. These days, Sean's helping others burn their mortgage too as an independent mortgage broker. And in case you missed it, you can check out our previous interview together in episode 34, which is over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash 34. Or you can just use your podcast player to find that episode too. Now, before we dive into the interview, Sean has offered to answer for free any questions that you, the Build Wealth Canada listeners, may have. Now, I've set up a special page for him. So all you have to do is go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean, that's just S-E-A-N, and there you can enter your email and Sean will be in touch with you and will be able to answer any questions that you may have. Now, he's a licensed mortgage broker too, so I definitely also encourage you to reach out to him if you're looking to get a new mortgage or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, as at the very least, he'll be able to provide you with a short list of some of the best mortgages that he's been able to find all across Canada. None of this costs you anything, and there's no obligation to get your mortgage through him or use any of those suggested mortgages. So at the very least, you'll get some really good education on the top mortgages available in Canada. You'll get your questions answered by Sean as well, and you'll learn what to look for when choosing your next mortgage. And you can always decide later whether you'd like him to to help you with the process or if you want to do it all yourself. But regardless of which path you take, it doesn't cost you anything regardless. And as a bonus, I'll also email you the mortgage checklist that Sean put together, which is a guide on the top things to look for and consider when choosing a mortgage. So instead of having to read a whole book on the subject, as mortgages can be pretty complex, this is a nice, quick, summarized checklist, but it includes all those key components that you really need to consider so that you don't accidentally miss something and then you get into trouble later down the road. So that link again to get in touch with Sean, get your questions answered, get the free mortgage checklist guide and or get that research on some of the best mortgages in Canada if you're already shopping for a mortgage, just go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean and just enter your email and Sean will be in touch with you and you guys can chat. And of course, I wanted to give a big shout out to Canadian Money Saver Magazine and EQ Bank for sponsoring this show and giving you the Build Wealth Canada listeners access to get a free one-year digital subscription to Canadian Money Saver Magazine, Canada's largest personal finance magazine. 
It's a $20 subscription that you get for free as a Build Wealth Canada listener. And the magazine features Canada's top experts on personal finance and investing and is a great place to learn best practices and stay up to date on changes that will impact your investments and your financial situation for years to come, specifically here in Canada. Now, to get all that, all you have to do is open up a free savings account with my favorite bank and the bank that I personally use a lot, which is EQ Bank. Now, in case you're new to the podcast and haven't heard of EQ Bank yet, the reason that I personally use EQ Bank is that their savings account has one of the highest interest savings rates in Canada. In fact, in all the years that I've been with them, I haven't been able to find a higher interest rate anywhere. It's also free to sign up and keep an account with them so you're not paying a monthly fee like you do with many of the other banks out there. And now you also get unlimited free Interact e-transfers as a bonus. So because of those reasons, I've been with them ever since they launched in Canada years ago. And it's where I keep my entire emergency fund and spending money. And I mean, we're in retirement now, so we actually keep a pretty sizable cushion uh, of money just in case the markets are down, that kind of thing. And I literally keep it all with EQ Bank just because their interest rate is so high. So I might as well be earning some money while it's sitting there. All right. Now, last I checked, their savings account interest rate was over double of their next closest competitor. So, you know, huge difference. And this is the rate that you get on an ongoing basis. It's not one of those promotions that you see some other banks use where it's only for a short period of time, which I kind of find annoying because I'm not going to be switching from bank to bank every month when some new promotion comes out. So this way, you know, I keep it with one bank and I know that they're always going to have one of the top interest rates in Canada. So to get the free high interest rate savings account and a one-year free subscription to Canadian Money Saver Magazine, just go go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash the letter E and the letter Q. Open up the free account. And once you're done, just forward any email that you get from EQ to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca. And I'll send you a coupon code that gets you a free one-year subscription to the magazine. So that link again is buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ to open an account and then forward me any email from EQ to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca and I'll email you the free code to the magazine. All right. So enjoy. I appreciate you supporting the show in that way as well. Uh, like I said, I use Guinea Money Saver Magazine. I read all the time. I use EQ Bank all the time. So you know, definitely am recommending something that I personally use myself and that I really you know believe in. And I really appreciate them uh, agreeing to be sponsors of the show uh, since I'm a big fan of theirs. Uh, so thank you as well if you take advantage of that offer. And now let's get into the episode. All right, Sean, welcome back to the show. Hi, Cornell. It's wonderful to be back and to be chatting with you today. Yeah, you too, Sean. So uh, for anybody that hasn't heard the episode from the last time you were on the show, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your mortgage burning story? Yes, definitely. I'd be happy to. So here I was at age 24 in Toronto, and I was looking for a property, and the real estate market was competitive. It actually took me three years to finally buy my property, three failed offers on different properties. But lo and behold, at age 27, I found myself a homeowner in Toronto. But I didn't want to have this mortgage basically as a ball and chain for the rest of my life. So I set myself the goal of paying off my mortgage as soon as possible. So funny thing is I signed up for a five-year fixed rate mortgage, but I actually managed to pay off my mortgage in only three years by age 30. So (laughs) probably should have signed up for a shorter mortgage. But anyways, can't complain. I got my mortgage paid off. So how did I do that? I basically did that in a couple of main ways. I lived as frugally as possible during those three years. And I also 
earned a lot of extra income in terms of side hustles. So as a personal finance journalist, did money coaching and worked a part-time job at meat department at North Hills supermarket. So basically did everything I could to bring in extra money. And with all that extra money and savings from living frugally, I just made a ton of extra payments on my mortgage and totally maxed it out. And I was able to pay it off in three years time. So my, my story ended up getting a lot of coverage, but how did everyone hear about it? Well, it was kind of funny. Uh, a reporter from CBC, Sophia Harris, actually called me up out of the blue one day and said she was doing a story on super savers and she was interested in getting some of my tips in order to save money. But um, I basically just ended up mentioning to her, oh, I had this goal of paying off a mortgage as quickly as possible. And she seemed to be interested. So the question, the uh, interview kind of shifted to that. And before I knew it, we had a conversation like for almost half an hour about that. And she said, well, CBC is thinking about turning one of the two of these stories into a segment for CBC's National. So let me get back to you in a few days and see if the producers are interested. So lo and behold, I get a call the, the next evening and, and she says, okay, we want to film your big mortgage burning moment. So I was just going to have a small party with my family, maybe with like four family members, my mother, father, and two sisters. But then I'm like, well, I need to go all out. So since CBC is going to be at the party. So I invited all my family and friends and had a big party with over 30 people, held my mortgage papers up in the air and lit them on fire and, and burned them for the cameras for CBC. And if you've ever seen my story online anywhere, you've probably seen the iconic photo of me burning my mortgage papers. So because of the goal that I set myself and the fact that I was doing to willing to do what it takes, I was able to pay off my mortgage in three years by age 30. So it was definitely a pretty amazing moment. I like to joke, it's the most amazing moment till I get married one day. Yeah, the, the burning was pretty, it looked pretty amazing. I remember seeing uh, the story and just, just the burning of the papers. It's pretty, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a lot more fun than what I did. I just took a what I did is they uh, when they sent you those papers that confirmed that it's all paid off and that you don't owe anything else. You know they send you that letter, right? And so yes. I, so I did like a screenshot of that. And I was like, ah, oh, there's the you know, and I'm just <laughs> smiling looking at that. Uh, but you're you're burning um, the mortgage thing is, is a lot better. I totally should have <laughs> should have celebrated a bit more because <laughs> that was yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, that's that's awesome. Uh, so after reaching that milestone of paying off your mortgage so early, and then really never—I mean, at that point, you never had to worry about mortgages ever again if you didn't want to. Uh, what exactly. made you decide to actually become a mortgage broker? I mean, it's like you you finished paying off your mortgage and then you jumped into becoming a mortgage broker. How did how did all that come about? That's a great question. So after I burned my mortgage, uh, I ended up writing a book because something on my bucket list was to write a book. And the CBC reporter, I just, again, I happened to mention to her that I wanted to write a book. And she said, oh, you should definitely write a book about paying off your mortgage. Like, I would want to be the first one to cover it. So I'd be foolish not to write a book then. So anyways, to make a long story short, I ended up writing my book called Burn Your Mortgage and ended up selling great. And I kind of got the whole media attention for a second round after that happened. But what ended up happening was I just kind of wrote a general book with uh, advice on buying a property as well as getting a mortgage, becoming a landlord, stuff of that nature, basically getting your finances in order in order to buy a property. But it was just general advice. So a lot of people were reaching out to me looking for specific advice, whether it's on real estate or mortgages. And 
Uh, my sister's a real estate agent, so I was happy to refer people to her who are in the GTA area. But in terms of mortgage brokers, I didn't really have a, a trusted source and I knew some brokers uh, that I thought were decent brokers. So I was sending them like uh, potential leads their way because I wanted to help out these individuals because they read my book and they were looking for genuine advice and assistance with their mortgage, which is most likely the biggest debt of their lifetime. So yeah, I was referring uh, them to people that I thought were good mortgage brokers. But what ended up happening pretty much every time was that the brokers wouldn't get back to them in a timely manner and uh, or they weren't able to help them. So I was just kind of disappointed because when I would make a PD appearances, I would recommend, you know, contacting a mortgage broker, but it didn't seem like I had a reliable source. And um, yeah, it wasn't, you know, I, I worked hard for my reputation. So I didn't want to be referring them to people that weren't really able to deliver what, you know, the benefits of a mortgage broker um, that I go through in my book. But yeah, they just weren't able to, they just weren't reliable sources. So I was just like, well, one, you know, one day after this situation happened, um, like these brokers had the tools they needed, but they just weren't choosing to use them. So one day kind of a light bulb went off in my mind and I'm like, well, you know, why don't I just become a mortgage broker myself? I mean, I have a background in finance, uh, I have over 10 years experience in the financial industry. I have these people reaching out to me looking for honest advice. I mean, they want somebody who's going to be like a trusted advisor. They don't want to be sold on products. And that's totally myself. I mean, I'm not a salesperson or anything like that. So I said, you know, why don't I become a broker myself? And the, the fact that I had my mortgage paid off, I could take a bit of a risk in terms of my career because be, being a mortgage broker, you're compensated by uh, basically a finder's fee from the lender. You don't get a salary or anything like that. So uh, certainly if I had a mortgage to pay, I would definitely think twice about going into this career. But, you know, uh, with my mortgage paid off, I could afford to take a bit more of a risk with my career. And I was passionate about helping Canadians. I just didn't want to write general articles with it, it, advice. I want to actually be helping them hands-on with their mortgage. So that's kind of what encouraged me and inspired me to become a mortgage broker. So I signed up for the course and when I was, I, I do various speaking engagements all across Canada. So for example, when I was going on the train to Kingston, Ontario for a speaking event and when I was flying to Vancouver for another speaking event, I was just reading the mortgage broker manual and studying that every spare moment that I got on the bus rides home every day and then went ahead, wrote the exam got over 95%. And then at that point in time, I'm like, okay, I'm all in. So handing my resignation at the pension consulting firm and the rest is history and uh, got licensed as a mortgage broker. So yeah, it's been great so far. And it's such a rewarding experience to be able to help Canadians hands on. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy that I chose this career. It's, it's very rewarding. For sure. That's really great. Yeah. I remember when you were on the show last time, uh, we talked about how you became financially independent as well, right? And so it's nice that there's a mortgage broker out there, you, where you're already financially independent. So it's not like you're just doing things for the money because you need to pay the mortgage or you need, you know, or you have some debt you have to get rid of, right? So, I mean, yeah, I'm sure like the money is a component, obviously, but it's not like that's your main driving factor, right? Because you're already financially independent. So it's nice, I think, to have a brokerage that a mortgage broker that's focused on that as opposed to just getting the most clients possible for the biggest possible mortgage amount so they can make the biggest commission possible. You know what I mean? There's a bit of a... There, I could see there being some conflict of interest with some mortgage brokers, right? And it seems like you don't have those conflicts. 
Exactly. I mean, I've heard like uh, somebody's mentioned a con of mortgage brokers is that some brokers will do, you know, whatever it takes to, you know, get the mortgage to fund because they want to earn the income or will even encourage people to perhaps switch lenders when it might not make sense. But I'm honestly looking out the best for my clients and I don't have a mortgage myself. So I'm just don't have that same level of pressure to make, you know, make a sale um, if, if it doesn't 100% make sense for the client. So um, I guess I'm different than a lot of brokers out there. For sure, for sure. And I mean, you know, I imagine most brokers, you know, they have a mortgage, but people, when they get a mortgage, they don't always want to have a mortgage. They want to pay it off eventually too. And so I think that's neat too, where you can give people a bit different of a perspective because you're a mortgage broker that actually was able to get a mortgage and then successfully pay it off very, very quickly. So for somebody that has similar ambitions, you can actually give them some really good you know, tips and you know, op- op- suggest some optimizations to be able to reach that goal quicker and you've done it yourself. So it's not like you're just giving them some theory you read in a book somewhere. You've actually you know, done it, right? So I think that's awesome how you've kind of gone through that whole cycle, right? Of getting a mortgage and then paying it off. And, you know, and I think there's a lot of, I mean, I, well, I know, I've, I mean, I've read your book, we've talked before, you've learned a lot going through that process. And I would argue that most mortgage brokers don't have that experience, right? Because most mortgage brokers still have mortgages. And I think you've got a really good, you know, good kind of thing that sets you apart from everyone else. Uh, Sean, when we first started talking about, you know, having you back on the show, I got pretty excited because it's always fun to learn some hacks on how to get, you know, the lowest possible mortgage rate, especially from someone with actual insider knowledge within the industry like yourself. You know, but before we get into that, can you tell us if getting the lowest rate doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting the best possible mortgage? Or is it really just all about getting the lowest rate and that that's really all there is to it? Sure, that's a great question. And usually whenever a client calls me, it's all about, you know, what's the lowest rate that you can get me. But as I like to say to my clients, the lowest mortgage rate can help save you hundreds, but the wrong mortgage product can cost you thousands. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, in terms of looking for a mortgage, there are several features that you want to care about. And mortgage rate is just one of them. I mean, it might not necessarily be even number one on your list because there are so many other things that you should be concerned about. And, and mortgage rate is just one component, like depending on your financial situation, other things might matter. So what are some of these other things? Well, uh, it's to make it easier to explain, I have this uh, thing that I call with my clients, it's basically called the three mortgage P's. And the letter P is basically like an acronym. It stands for different things that you should care about in terms of your mortgage. So the first thing that the, what the three P's stand for are prepayments, penalties and portability. So first of all, when people are looking for a mortgage, they usually care most about the mortgage rate. But if you're somebody that wants to pay off their mortgage sooner and and you're motivated like myself, then it definitely pays to get a mortgage that has generous prepayments. So people, what I've heard from a lot of clients is that they assume all lenders have the same prepayments across the board, but that's not necessarily the case in Oftentimes, the prepayments are different from lender to lender, product to product. So, for example, some lenders might offer you 10-10 prepayments, which means that you can make a lump sum payment of 10% a year or and increase your uh, mortgage payment by 10%. Or some lenders offer you 15-15 or 20-20. And some lenders let you make the lump sum payments 
any time on your regular mortgage date throughout the year and other lenders are more restrictive. They only let you make that lump sum payment on your anniversary date. So it really pays to have a great mortgage broker who can ask those questions and find out if, if your goal is to pay off your mortgage sooner. And that way they can match you up with a lender and mortgage product that makes sense. I mean, if you have all this extra cash flow and you want to pay down your mortgage sooner, perhaps it might make sense to go with a lender who has a slightly higher rate, but more generous prepayment privileges because those extra prepayments go 100% towards principal and you'll save more money in the end. So again, it makes sense to work with a good mortgage broker who will ask the questions. So the second P stands for penalty. And when people are shopping for a mortgage, penalties are probably the last thing on their mind. They're more concerned about, as you said, the mortgage rate and even the prepayments. But people, when they're signing up for a mortgage, they're not thinking about breaking their mortgage, but that's something they need to seriously consider and think about the likelihood of them breaking the mortgage later on because some mortgages can come uh, come with very costly mortgage penalties. And if you have to break it later on to sell the property or even refinance your mortgage, it can be very costly. So in terms of penalties, typically with variable rate, it's just three months of interest you'll pay as your penalty. But with fixed rate, it's the greater of three months of interest or the interest rate differential or IRD. And again, I go into this in my book, but essentially the IRD looks at the lender's posted rate and looks at your current mortgage rate and does a comparison and then the lender calculates your penalty based on that. And nobody really takes the posted rate, but somehow lenders are allowed to use that to calculate your mortgage penalty, which doesn't really seem right, but that's just the way it is. So with a fixed rate, your mortgage penalty can be very costly. And as mentioned, you know, nobody has a crystal ball and they can't predict whether something will come up, a life event will come up, they'll get a job opportunity or whatnot, or they could lose their job and they might have to kind of refinance their mortgage or they might get into credit card debt. But it's just good to kind of have that option if you think that would be a possibility. So, um, you know, it's good when you're signing up with a lender to consider the mortgage penalties and some lenders on the fixed rate side, uh, the monoline lenders, which I'll get into later, or the wholesale lenders, as I like to call them, they have lower penalties for the fixed rate products. So if you think there's a chance that you could have to break your mortgage, then uh, definitely worth considering signing up for a lender like that. And the last uh, P is portability. So let's say you decide to sell your property and move to another property during your mortgage term. Well, many lenders allow you to port your mortgage with you. So that basically means take your current mortgage with the current terms and interest rate and move it on to the new property. And you can even blend extend, which means if the property is more costly, you can get a new mortgage for the difference in mortgage amount that you would need and still keep your existing mortgage. But it's important to understand that just because a mortgage is portable, that it's not 100% guaranteed that it can be ported over. Like the lender might not like the product for uh, the property that you're buying, the new property that you're buying for whatever reason, and they could say no to the port, and then you have to pay the penalty. There's also a certain time frame where you have to port port the mortgage. So you basically have a time frame where you need to buy and sell a property within this time frame. And if you're somebody that doesn't like being um, tied to some sort of time frame and you want to take your time in terms of buying and selling, then perhaps porting isn't for you. So um, to make a long story short, it just helps to have um, you know, this information up front so you can make an informed decision and 
Yes, a good mortgage broker will ask you these questions about your short and long-term goals so that they can match you with not only a good mortgage rate, but a mortgage that has all the features and is essentially the best mortgage for you and will work for you for the coming years. For sure. I think people usually don't plan for canceling their mortgage, right? Because it's they're like, oh, well, I'm going to be living here for a long time. But I know, at exactly. least for ourselves, you know, we've had... I feel like with almost every house, well, with every house we've bought in the past, the story was always, "Oh yeah, we're gonna live here long term," you know. But then life happens, right? Usually, I think it's it's a job thing, right? But sometimes it's other things, like you know, we want to be closer to family, things like that. And so then these things become become really really important. And and I mean, I can see someone getting in a tough situation where they have a, a mortgage where you know it's not portable. They maybe have really bad, it may really have really bad penalties for canceling. And then let's say they get a job or their job asks, they get fired and they have to find another job and they can't find one nearby and they have to move or they get they have to take a temporary assignment as part of their job that's somewhere further away. And maybe it doesn't make sense to, I, I don't know, with my wife and I, we lived in Halifax for a while, uh, for example, as a temporary job thing, right? So I mean, imagine saying, okay, well, we're not going to buy a house there because it's only temporary, but what do we do with our existing, you know, like there's all these kind exactly. of complications, right? And so even if you get relocated, maybe it doesn't make sense, to, does not make sense to buy in the new location, right? Like, I mean, in our case, we, we rented it out, but I mean, you, you know, it's nice to have all these options and not be looking at a fee that's thousands and thousands of dollars because you pick the wrong mortgage product. So um, yeah, I'm really glad, I'm totally. really glad you bought those because I remember being really thorough with this when we had our houses and it, it, it helped us out a lot having these, you know, sort of good, good terms uh, in terms of the mortgage. And there was more than just the rate, you know? So no, that's great. Yeah, you wouldn't, you know, I've heard of some people even turning down lucrative job offers because their mortgage penalty is too high. So certainly, you know, I would want to set up my clients powerfully so that they don't have to do something like that because that's really unfortunate. Oh, oh, 100% for sure. I mean, you just, you cut your flexibility, right? And it's like, you would take this job offer, it's a good exactly. opportunity, but if I have to pay thousands and thousands and thousands, and then there's moving expenses and all the, you know, all that stuff, maybe I won't take that opportunity. And I mean, that, yeah, like you said, exactly. that's that's definitely sad. Um, so I mean, yeah, so those are uh, three critical components for sure. I, I personally found them to be very, very useful things to consider as well. Uh, you know, back when we had a rental property in our, our you know, prime, and, and then with our primary residence when we had a mortgage, you know, but with that said, you you know, obviously people still want, you know, the lowest possible mortgage rate as well. So what are some top elements or tactics that can help us get the lowest possible mortgage rate? Well, great question. Well, obviously there are, I mean, in terms of lenders look at and when qualifying for you for a mortgage is your income, your down payment, your credit score, and the property itself. Now, people, most people know that, you know, the better my credit score, you know, uh, then I can qualify for the best mortgage rates with people. So that's a pretty obvious tip, but I'm going to kind of talk about like how lenders actually price their mortgages in terms of their rates. Because uh, if, if you just see these advertisements out there for mortgage rate rates and see these low rates, a lot of the times uh, it's for a mortgage rate that you might not qualify for. So I just wanted to give the listeners and, and watchers of the show here, basically some insight to understand how mortgage rates are priced. So um, because yeah, certainly there's, you know, fixed versus variable, there's a difference in the interest rate there, but there's actually a difference in interest rate depending on several factors. So just wanted to go through them now. So let's say you're buying a, principal residence versus a rental property. There are different interest rates in terms of mortgages on them. I mean, 
Uh, I guess it's to do with a risk level, but essentially with rental properties, there aren't as many lenders that offer mortgages for rental properties. So there's less competition as well. So when there's less competition, the rates tend to be higher. So yes, if you're buying a rental property, the mortgage rates are typically higher than principal residents with the same lender. Another factor is loan to value. Now, loan to value is a fancy way of saying what percentage is the mortgage versus the property's value. So let's say that a mortgage is $400,000 on a property that's $500,000. Well, that's an 80% loan to value using that as an example. So typically when uh, you put down less than 20% on a property, you actually get the very best mortgage rate. Now, again, using conventional wisdom, you would think, well, the more I put down on a property, I should get a better interest rate because I have more skin in the game, but that's not actually how it works. The government basically did a bunch of rule changes uh, several months and, and years ago. And basically the bottom line is that uh, when you put down less than 20%, CMHC is basically backstopping the mortgage and it costs less for the lender in terms of getting protection, like they don't have to go to the mortgage-backed securities market um, in order to um, get financing, yada, yada, yada. But basically the bottom line is that if you put down less than 20% on a property, you get a better mortgage rate. But then keep in mind that you have to pay like CMHC fees, mortgage default insurance fees, whatever you want to call them on top of that. So there's definitely a cost involved. But yeah, when you see those really great rates out there, it's more than likely for high ratio mortgages, which is when you're putting less than 20% down on a property. So just an FYI, when you see those great rates from the different lenders, it's probably for a high ratio mortgage. But if, if you're not putting down less than 20%, um, if you have at least 35% down payment or 35% equity in the property, you can typically get um, as a uh, good of an interest rate as the high ratio people, maybe not, maybe not bang on, but generally when you have at least 35% equity in the property, uh, that's kind of the rate amount of equity that you need to get the best rate with the lenders. So um, just wanted to give the listeners a bit of background information on that. Uh, Also, mortgage rates. Sorry to interrupt, just to clarify. So is it worth for somebody looking for a mortgage, is it worth for them to go through the exercise, for example, with their mortgage broker to say, okay, I can either put the 20% down or more, and here's the rate I can get in that scenario, or option two is I can put down less than 20%. Now I'm going to have to pay the CMHC fees, but here's the lower rate I may be able to get, and then kind of crunching those numbers, or like you know, or having like yourself, the mortgage broker, crunch those numbers and say, okay, in your scenario, you know, here is sort of the optimal solution if you're looking to kind of pay the lowest costs, right? Because it's no longer just about the mortgage uh, rate, right? It's about well, you're also paying CMHC fees, so maybe those offset the lower rate that you're getting, right? So, I mean, is it we're going this exercise for people or is there kind of like a hard and fast rule that's the right correct the correct rule 99.9 percent of the time yeah i mean if you have if you have a sizable down payment and you have that option it's definitely worth having that um conversation because yeah some people you know have more than a 20 percent down payment but they're just choosing to put 20 percent down because their money is invested and they like to use it for other purposes so yeah definitely that's a good conversation to have with your mortgage broker just to see what makes the most sense. So yeah, that's a great point that you raised. So uh, yeah, in terms of how uh, lenders price their mortgages, also uh, another factor is purchases versus 
transferring your mortgage versus refinances. Again, mortgage rates are priced differently than that. Typically, you'll get the lowest rate on a purchase. And then after that, like a switch or transfer when you're moving your mortgage over to another lender, uh, typically you'll pay a bit of a premium on that. And then at the end of the spectrum is refinance, where you'll typically pay the highest rate on that because uh, refinances are uninsurable. um, So it costs the lenders more money to kind of um, like get the financing and backstop it that way. So yeah, there's different pricing in in terms of purchase versus transfers versus refinance. And uh, another factor is the amortization period. So if you're putting down less than 20% on a property, the maximum amortization is 25 years. But if you're putting down more than 25, than um, 20% on a property, you can go to an amortization of 30 years, which many lenders offer. But just an FYI, some lenders charge a premium when you go to 30-year uh, amortization. They might charge you a higher rate. Depends on the letter, but maybe you could pay like 0.15 or 0.2% higher depending on the lender. And some lenders, it's the exact same rate. So, but, you know, with the mortgage stress test, sometimes people need to go to 30-year amortization to qualify for the mortgage, but then sometimes they qualify for 25 years. So it all depends on, you know, how quickly you want to pay off your mortgage. And again, your broker can kind of have a conversation with you to make sure that the mortgage that you are choosing is aligned with your personal goals. And yeah, as I mentioned, the best rates are usually available with the high ratio mortgages. Um, And yeah, I would caution um, the listeners when signing up for a mortgage, be careful when you're signing up for a collateral mortgage, because those are great when you're taking out a home equity line of credit. But when it actually comes to shopping around for a mortgage, your options are very limited. There are more options now than there were two, three years ago because some lenders came up with something called a collateral transfer, which in before this collateral transfer existed, you used to have to refinance your mortgage to move to another lender. But now with collateral transfers, you can move over your mortgage and you don't have to pay the higher rates of refinancing. But again, there aren't as many lenders that offer collateral transfers. So the rates don't tend to uh, be as good as as if you did a straight uh, transfer. But um, yeah, that's kind of a way lenders are locking people down with collateral mortgages. And just a couple lenders off the top of my head um, that do collateral that do collateral mortgages as opposed to standard mortgages are TD Bank and uh, Tangerine. All their mortgages are collateral mortgages, and they can be great if you're taking out if you plan to take out a home equity line of credit. But just bear in mind that it's hard to transfer your mortgage and shop around when your mortgage comes up for renewal. So just make sure you understand that if you're signing up for a mortgage with uh, any of those two lenders there. Can you define what a collateral mortgage is just for anybody that's new to that term? Sure. So it's basically a mortgage with a charge registered on it. Um, and it could be for more than your property's value, like uh, up to 125%. And what the collateral mortgage basically allows you to do is it allows you to take out a home equity line of credit on the property. You're you're basically like uh, putting the home equity line of credit in second position in, in, in the property there um, with a, a standard charge, you you wouldn't be able to do it the same way. So it has the advantage of having that home equity line of credit and being able to tap into the equity in the property. But the downside is that 
you have to pay expenses for um, switching lenders later on. And uh, yeah, you'll more than likely, if you switch lenders later on, you'll more than likely not get as good of an interest rate. So if, you know, if you're somebody that is planning to do home renovations and you want to take full advantage of the home equity line of credit, then certainly um, a collateral mortgage can make sense, but just be aware that you're limiting your options when it comes time to uh, when when your mortgage comes up for renewal and um, you want to shop around, there just are less options. So you'll more than likely pay a higher mortgage rate then. Gotcha. So is collateral mortgage, are those the ones that are used when people do the Smith maneuver where as you pay off your house, as you you know get more principal, your home equity line of credit goes up because you're you're basically owning more and more of the house and then you're able to take that money out of your house as a loan and then you know invest it or or, or use however you see fit is that what is that what we're talking about here yeah that's that's one part of it mm-hmm. the other part is that the mortgage is readvanceable so what that means is that when you pay down the principal on your mortgage the line of credit limit is increasing so right. let's say you made a mortgage payment of $2000 in $1,000 of that goes towards principal and your home equity line of credit is at, let's say, $50,000. Well, then it becomes $50,000 and $1,000 and it keeps increasing. If your mortgage wasn't re-advanceable, the uh, home equity line of credit limit would stay frozen. So, um, yeah, you want to do the Smith Maneuver. It's important to have a collateral mortgage with a home equity line of credit and one that's uh, re-advanceable. There are lenders that do that, like Scotiabank. MCAP, uh, those are two of them, but yeah, there aren't a lot of lenders that do that. So again, it makes sense to work with a broker who knows their stuff because they can help you set up a lender that you know can help you do the Smith maneuver properly. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we can we can maybe do another episode on Smith maneuver because that's a whole nother animal that warrants an entire episode just I think due to the complexities of it and all that uh, but no that, that's good to know so a lot of times is it if like, let's say some I think a lot of people right they have their mortgage and then they like to have a home equity line of credit as well for example I know you know um, we you know we used to have one just to have use as an emergency fund right so we never you know we, yes. we had some cash as an emergency fund but we also had a home equity line of credit just in case something totally unforeseen that's really expensive came up um, you know and then I remember we you know we did that never ended up using it <laughs> fortunately didn't have to right but just as like a safety extra safety thing would you recommend doing something like that like having a standard mortgage and then having a separate home equity line of credit because then you don't have to worry about you know the port uh, how easy it is to transfer and all these kinds of things or do you think these types of mortgages you know the collateralized mortgages are actually um, better because it's kind of like a one-stop shop right where you get a mortgage and you get a home equity line of credit all in one well, you can definitely set it up um, the first way that you mentioned, but you tend to get a better rate in terms of the home equity line of credit, like prime plus uh, like 50 basis points, prime plus 0.5% when you have a collateral mortgage. So if you're somebody that wants that as a safety net, then it totally makes sense. And you you know, you know do like a pre-advanceable mortgage where the limit will keep going up. But um, yeah, just bear in mind that you're kind of, you know, you're not as going to get as competitive as uh, of an interest rate when it comes up for renewal and your options just aren't as much. But yeah, I mean, if you're planning to do home renovations and you like having that safety net, which, you know, your equity is not doing you any good by sitting there in your property, like you might as well put it to use. So like, I'm all for it. If you're going to use it for something that like is helpful for you, like, emergency fund or home renovations or even buying an investment property, I'm all for that. But if you're using your home equity line of credit to 
go on a vacation or buy a boat, then I probably don't recommend that. So it all comes down to the use of funds. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it's a helpful thing to have and might as well take advantage of that equity in your property rather than just letting it sit there and do nothing. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an item on the menu, right? That's worth considering when you are deciding on a mortgage because it, it might be a really good fit for some people for sure. Now, exactly. now Sean, before we go any further, I just want to make it the show friendly for you know, people that are just getting started off in this. You mentioned the term amortization. Can you talk about, like, you know, for somebody that's never heard that term before or aren't exactly sure what that is, can you explain, you know, both what that is and also what kind of impact does it have in terms of, you know, what your monthly payments would be, how much total interest you'd be paying long term, you know, depending on your amortization? Right, that kind of a thing. Sure. So, amortization is just a fancy word for how long it takes you to pay off your mortgage in full. So, the standard amortization is 25 years in Canada. Um, so, mortgage term is basically like five-year fixed rate, five-year variable rate, whatever the length of the mortgage contract that you have with the lender. But the amortization is like the total length that it will take you to pay off your entire mortgage. So if you make extra payments on your mortgage, your amortization will get shorter. But uh, yes, basically what it is, the total length of time that it takes to pay off your mortgage, uh, you could do 20, it's 25 years maximum. You're, you're putting down less than 20% on the property. But if you're doing more than a 20% down payment, you can go up to 30 years. Now, uh, 30 years makes it easier to qualify for a mortgage, but it will also be more costly in terms of the amount of interest that you'll pay over the life of the mortgage because you're stretching out that mortgage by an extra five years. So um, in in terms of Ontario, um, the mortgage broker has to provide you with an amortization schedule in terms of uh, disclosure for the mortgage. So yeah, just have a look at the amortization schedule and it basically shows how much interest you'll pay over the term of your mortgage and that'll kind of give you an idea. But yeah, longer amortization helps with affordability, but just make sure that you know how much it's going to cost you in terms of interest and uh, just make sure you're comfortable with the extra interest that will cost you by stretching it out if that's something you'd like to do. For sure. Yeah, the way I've, I've always looked at it is the higher your amortization goes, the nicer it is on your monthly cash flow because your mortgage payments are, are lower. But then sort of the negative of that is that when you look over the 25, you know, the longer period, you're going to be paying more interest, right? Because your mortgage is now kind of spread over a longer period of time. Would you say that's a correct way of looking at it? Yeah, that's a great way to just uh, look at it in, in simple terms. So yeah, I mean, there's not really like a one size fits all advice for everyone. It really depends on the individual's own financial situation. So that's why it really helps to sit down with a broker and have this conversation with them because one family's uh, situation might make sense for 25 year amortization, but another family might make sense for 30 years. So sure. that's why it's good to speak with a broker. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. One tactic that I always really liked was, or and I guess, like you said, it, it's, there's not one tactic that's perfect for everyone in every situation, but one that I always thought was pretty appealing is that if you have a mortgage where you have a long amortization period so that you know your monthly payments are low so that if something was to happen like let's say you had a job loss or something of that nature or maybe you know you work on commission partially right and so your income is very volatile right and so some months you may make a lot other ones you might not make that much then at least you know the month the amount you actually have to pay to the bank every month is relatively low because you have a longer amortization period and so that can kind of help alleviate some financial stress um, but 
at the same so doing that but at the same time making sure your mortgage has really generous prepayment privileges uh, and so I think that's I'm trying to think back because it's been a while since we had a mortgage but I think that might have been what we did is we had a long amortization period but we made sure that the mortgage uh, that our prepayment privileges were very generous and so when we did have a lot of money to put into the mortgage to pay it off quicker we could right so this way I felt like you know we're, you're getting a little bit of best of both worlds where on the one end if something bad did happen or let, let's say you did have a job loss then you don't have this giant amount you have to pay every month which can be helpful while you find another job but if things are going well well you, then you have no problem making your monthly payments but you can also put in a ton if you want to prepay your mortgage even quicker right and so I remember but that's kind of one, uh, you know, item on the menu that I thought was worth considering because uh, I can see that making sense for some families for sure. Yeah, that's the exact strategy that I use, Cornell. I stretched it out my mortgage to thirty-year amortization, but with the prepayments, I was able to pay it off in three years because the lender that I went with had very generous mm. prepayments. But I guess in order to do that, you need to be very financially disciplined. For some people, if they have like thirty years to pay it off they might not be disciplined enough to make those extra prepayments. So I really think it depends on the individual. Some people would rather be tied to a shorter amortization to force themselves to pay those higher payments. But I just spoke with a client recently and yeah, they went with really aggressive amortization, like a really short one. And then they run into financial difficulties. So they have to refinance their mortgage to stretch out the amortization and pay the big penalties. So yeah, you definitely need to be careful in terms of setting that. It's, sure. it, it's an important decision. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. There's that whole psychological element too, where maybe having a short amortization does motivate you to pay that off and exactly. it will prevent you. Like, I guess yeah, you have to know yourself at the end of the day and see what works well for you. Uh, but I hear you. I mean, I remember in your case when we were talking last interview, I mean, you you uh, were living alone, right? So your single income, right, with a mortgage, right? And it's like, well, what if you lost your job and then that same month, you know, the tenant moved out or something like that, or, you know, so, you know something like that, right? right? I mean, right. that could be pretty stressful, right? Uh, exactly. But if you have a long longer amortization period, your monthly mortgage payments are a lot lower. And so you may be able to fund that month, let's say, or two of of trouble with maybe, you know, the cash cushion you have set aside, for example, right? Which would be a lot less stressful because you have set things up in that way. So um, that's awesome. No, that's good. I I appreciate you sharing that. Um, Now, I've I've interrupted a bunch of times. Are there any other uh, tactics that you want to talk about, about getting the lowest possible mortgage rate? Or are we done with that one? Sure. So one last thing I wanted to touch on is that there are two types of lenders out there. There are the banks and credit unions, which you're probably familiar with, the big banks and, you know, local credit unions, which are provincially regulated. And there's also another category of lenders that perhaps you've heard of them that they're referred to in the media as monoline lenders, but I like to refer to them as wholesale lenders because that's a more client-friendly term uh, to use for them. So Uh, Essentially, what these wholesale lenders are is that they're funded by the banks and um, basically they're able to fund the mortgage for a lower cost. They spend less on advertising and branches because they don't have branches like the big banks on every corner. And um, yeah, they, they have really great mortgage rates, even lower than the big banks in most cases. And mortgage brokers have exclusive access to them. You couldn't apply to them directly. So if you want access to these uh, wholesale lenders, which many people do, then that's the advantage of working with a mortgage broker because you have access to all these lenders and they usually have lower mortgage penalties and more generous 
prepayment privileges and you're not paying that extra cost just to, you know, the, the, it, basically I use the comparison, like, you know, when you're going to the supermarket, you can pay the most expensive price for the brand name stuff like Tide laundry detergent, or you can pay for the no name stuff and um, it might be just as good. And uh, so, yeah, basically, I guess by going with the big banks, you're paying for all their like overhead expenses and advertising expenses. So you get a higher mortgage rate, but if you're opening saving money on your mortgage and um, then yeah, certainly wholesale lenders are worth uh, considering. I mean, I went with, with a wholesale lender myself first national and didn't really hear of, of them a lot. I didn't see advertising on TV, but the customer service was second to none. Um, and yeah, mortgages are kind of their bread and butter and that's what they focus on. So I had really great experience with that. And certainly, you know, if somebody's adamant about working with a big bank, then happy to offer them the best rates in terms of big banks. But if you're open to saving money, then, um, you know, wholesale lenders are definitely worth considering. So you said this is someone you used when you were doing your own for your primary residence slash rental. That's who that's who you went with. Yes, I went with a wholesale lender because my mortgage broker presented it as uh, the big banks are offering these rates. But if you're interested in saving even more money, well, there are these wholesale lenders, and yeah, you're just basically not paying the extra money for the brand name and and, and name recognition out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was definitely happy to go with them and um, generous prepayment privileges, low penalties. I mean, I got the best of both worlds. So I'm very happy about the wholesale lender that I went with. So uh, always offer that option to my clients because uh, I want them to be fully informed. And if they want to go with a big bank and they're adamant about that, that's fine. But just want to give them that information so that they can kind of make a educated decision for themselves. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. When we had our our, our property, uh, our properties rather, that's what we did as well. Uh, now, are there any negatives to picking someone like that over, you know, going to your nearest big bank branch and just getting a mortgage there? Are there any sort of negatives with going with these types of lenders? I mean, if you're a bit old school and you want to be able to visit a branch and. Uh, I don't know, you, you you enjoy the face-to-face time with uh, a branch, then perhaps a wholesale lender is not for you. But with more millennials like wanting to um, do meetings online and not even want to do meetings in person. And, and yeah, I mean, even people in their 30s and 40s are like that as well. I mean, if, if you don't want to pay extra money to, for the upkeep of the, the branch, then I definitely think um, wholesale lenders are great. And uh yeah, as mentioned, you know, um, they don't have the branches, but you can give them a call. They have great websites and yeah, you're essentially boring money for them. So it's, it, 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 there's no added risk. I mean, they're giving you money for the mortgage. So if anything were to happen to them, which it, I've never heard of a wholesale lender running into problems or going under or anything like that, you're essentially boring money from them. So another lender would take over your mortgage and, nothing would happen with your property. So basically you're getting a lower rate and better prepayments and lower penalties. And there's absolutely no extra risk to you. These wholesale lenders are funded by the big banks. Um, So yeah, I mean, um, I definitely think they're worth considering and they're a great option for people available exclusively through mortgage brokers. That's a great point. I'm I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think some people will think, oh, well, I would rather go with a larger bank because the you know safety security established right but am i am i get it if you're you know if you have a hundred thousand dollars that you want to keep somewhere safe 
where you know they're not going to get hacked to because they have the inf- you know security infrastructure in place and you know they they've been around for ages right then then you know by all means right go with the big bank that has all that all of, all of that but in this case you're not giving the bank money right you're actually taking money from them in the yes, form exactly. of a loan so it's not like someone's gonna you know rob, rob the bank and <laughs> something like that because you're on the other end of the transaction where you're you're taking money from them you're not putting your money your money in um, so i think that's a really good thing to think about when people because I, I can see some people saying oh i just like do you find that with clients where they're like oh i don't know i was kind of leaning towards going with a bigger bank because you know they're they're bigger and safer and all that and it's like and then you say well say, what, what do you mean safer right i mean you're not putting money into you know you're not putting something in some like vault or something you know yeah, yeah exactly i mean I, I respect what clients want if they say that they want to work with the big banks that's perfectly fine but i like to give them this option because I want them to make a fully informed decision. So yes, I do get that. But I mean, in a worst case scenario, if something happened to a wholesale lender, which hasn't happened in my career of being a broker and um, would be super rare, but what would happen would be another lender would just take over your mortgage and your mortgage would stay the end until the, would stay the same until the end of its term. So there's literally no added risk for you. So, you know, if you enjoy um, paying extra just to have that brand name of the big banks, then go ahead. But if you want the lowest mortgage rate, the best prepayments and other options out there, then uh, these wholesale lenders are definitely worth considering. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I remember we, I was going through one and I think while we were there, or, or not, I think, while we were doing that, I remember they that one, I guess, transitioned or got bought or something. I can't remember exactly. It was a long time ago. But basically, yeah, that one was closing um, down or maybe got acquired. But yeah, it, I mean, it was a really straightforward process. It's not like our mortgage got changed. It's not like we had to pay some fees. It's not like we had to really do anything. You know, you just kind of get that legal letter that pretty much told us, hey, just so you know, you know, th- this bank is now this. And I mean, I, I you get that with insurance companies I find all the time, right? Where they're like, oh, this you were this insurance company now it has it got bought by this one and so now our branding has changed to this but your policy is still the same and you're just like okay well that you know nothing really nothing's really changed so yeah i've had a pretty positive experience or like a really positive experience with it as well um but i see your point right i guess some people do just like to go in just like with the you know financial advisors right they like to go in they like to sit behind the desk they like to talk to someone and that kind of a thing but of course i guess as long as and that's and if you're willing to pay a premium for that fine but I guess, yeah, keep in mind that you are paying a premium for it because that face-to-face thing is not free. That office space is not free, you know, in, in like the core business area, right? The the desk they're sitting behind isn't free. Like everything costs money, right? So exactly. it's kind of like you want that extra premium one-on-one service face-to-face. I mean, that, you know, in downtown Toronto, I mean, that office costs a lot of money. They're going to, they have to pay that. And obviously you as the customer are the one paying for it. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Are there any other mortgage, you know, sort of tricks or sales marketing tactics that the banks use that, you know, they don't want us to know about anything like that? Sure. So um, in, in terms of their higher posted rates, you may have seen like some of these big banks have high posted rates and you may be thinking, well, why would anyone advertise such a high posted right. rate like that? And the main reason is because they use those higher posted rates in calculation of, um, so they have this benchmark rate, like it's at 5.34% right now, but 
that's basically used in terms of the stress test um, for qualifying for somebody for a mortgage. So if you're putting more than 20% down, it's the greater of your contract rate, which is your mortgage rate plus 2% or the 5.34%. So that's what one aspect that the posted rate is used for. The other aspect is it's used in the calculation, as I said earlier, of the mortgage penalties. So um, just it's something to be aware of. Even if you get a great rate with one of these big banks, they can use the posted rate against you in terms of the calculation of the penalty. Even though nobody in their right mind would take the posted rate, they calculate if you're with a fixed rate mortgage, they calculate the penalty as if they could loan out the money at the posted rate, which makes no sense to me, but the rules, the way they stand, allow them to do that. So that's just something to be aware of about the posted rate that people don't usually find out about until they have to break their mortgage and then they see the calculation and they're kind of shocked at the level of the mortgage penalties. So um, that's something important to be aware of. And yeah, um, it's also important to be aware of that uh, when you're going to the banks, you're not getting truly unbiased advice. advice. Uh, You really have to look out for yourself because to be honest, like when you go to the bank, they're just going to tell you about all the pros of the, their various products. They're not going to tell you about the cons. It's really about you to read the fine print and do your own research. They're not going to say, oh, you know, like, better watch out for this penalty. We have a higher penalty. Like, if you're going to um, one of the big banks, they're not going to say, like, Big Bank A is not going to say, oh, we have a higher penalty. You might consider going with, you know, our competitor down the street. Right. It's not going to happen. So you really have to do your own research and know your own stuff and, yeah, mortgages can be a bit complicated, so it's not always easy to read through the fine print and understand the information. I mean, just to find out if a mortgage is collateral or standard charge, they use this legal lawyer language, and it's not the easiest to find, so good luck reading through the mortgage contract and figuring that out. But yeah, you really have to look out for yourself when uh, working directly with the banks. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the, the main advantage of like working with a mortgage broker myself is you do get that unbiased advice because mortgage brokers have access to dozens of lenders. I have access to over 60 different lenders and mortgage brokers don't have the big dollar marketing budget like the big banks. So we really rely on positive word of mouth referrals. So it's really in our interest and uh, to place our clients with lenders that make the most sense for them and it's going to leave our clients satisfied because yeah if we're if we just place them with a lender just for short-term commission which would be really bad business then they would come back to burn us later on they wouldn't want to do business the client wouldn't want to do business with us again and they certainly wouldn't recommend our services to other people so and being a broker myself I'm not like the big bank. I'm not tied to any one lender. So I just listen to what my client is looking for. And I can say the pros and cons of each product so that they can make an informed decision rather than the big bank just telling you all the good things. And you kind of have to figure out the you know not so good things with the product. And I like to use this analogy with my clients. If you were to going to court, would you represent yourself? Of course not. So why would you negotiate directly with the bank? You're essentially representing yourself and it's for the single biggest financial transaction of your lifetime, your mortgage. So it just makes a lot of sense for me to, for people to use a mortgage broker because their services don't cost anything in most instances. And that way they can, you know, make a fully informed decision and yeah, hear both sides of the story. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I, I remember that was the what made us decide to go with a mortgage broker when we were looking for our mortgage was be- I was thinking to myself, why would I go with a regular bank 
where they will basically just give me access to their mortgages. And they're obviously not going to tell me anything negative about them because they're trying to sell me their mortgages. Or I could go with a mortgage broker who will basically shop around for you know for me to find the best mortgage and i can shop around myself as well uh you know but then they will also do it for me and then we can kind of compare notes they can tell me some things to look out for they can tell me the latest sort of rules and regulations and there isn't that sort of conflict of interest where they're just trying to push their own product you know in my face right in fact you have as you mentioned you as a mortgage broker have an incentive to make sure the client is happy and that the mortgage is right for them because you know that you're going to get business you know from referrals right and they're like and then when it's time to renew the mortgage if they had a good experience they're going to go through you as well right um exactly. you know what i mean as opposed to you just having some boss that says well we're bank X and so you're only allowed to sell bank X product and basically put on your sales marketing hat on cuz you have to make the only this particular mortgage look the best you possibly can. I mean, like, why why wouldn't you shop around? So I remember for me that was kind of the the obvious solution, right? Is why would you restrict yourself to product from you know one source, right? Uh, it doesn't make any any sort of sense to me. It's a great um, point. Yeah, no. So so thank you for uh, for mentioning that uh, for mentioning that. Now uh, the recent federal budget. Uh, it had some significant impact on some home buyers. Can you talk about what those impacts are and when can we actually take action on some of these changes with the federal budget? Sure. So um, to be honest, I was a bit disappointed with the federal budget, but it did have some help for a home buyer. So the first major thing was that the uh, limit on terms of the amount of money they can withdraw from your RSP as a first time home buyer was increased for the first time in several years. So, um, before the rule change, you could withdraw $25,000 from your RSP tax-free, but now the government upped it to $35,000. So if you're a couple, that's up to $70,000 combined that you can withdraw towards a down payment of a property. Uh, something else that uh, another rule change that they made just to recognize the current family situation of Canadians is that if you're somebody who's uh, recently gone through like a marriage breakdown and you're divorced or separated, then um, you'll be able to access uh, funds from your RSP under the home buyers plan as well. So previous to this budget, you weren't able to do that. You had to wait a number of years in order to do that where you weren't home buyer. So that's a change that they've done. And it's a welcome change because I guess, you know, Canadians are getting divorced and separated more often than when these rules first came out. So at least kind of recognizes the reality of the situation. Now, a second uh, thing that the government came out with, which is kind of lacking in details, to be honest, we kind of know the big details, but a lot of the minor stuff is, is, is kind of still needs to be ironed out. So it's something called shared equity mortgages. Now, with a shared equity mortgage, there are things you need to be aware of in order to qualify for this. So um, you have to have a household income of under $120,000, and you have to have at least a down payment of 5%, because this is kind of a targeted approach to helping a certain segment of the Canadian population, so they have some sort of qualifying rules. So the rule, the uh, shared equity mortgage kind of has rule in terms of capping out in terms of the purchase price that you can get. So um, it maxes out at four times your annual income. So that means that you could buy a property up to $480,000. So yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about in terms of where affordability is an issue in Toronto and Vancouver. I mean, 480 definitely doesn't go very far. Like you'd be hard pressed to even get a condo for that amount of 
money. So I'm a little disappointed in the program, but at least, you know, perhaps you could buy a condo kind of in on the outskirts, maybe not in downtown uh, Toronto or downtown Vancouver, but at least you can get your foot in the door of the real estate market and start building up equity. But yeah, they, there's some key details that are, are missing because the program launches in September, so they still have some time to get things together. So it's not out yet, but they haven't really released all the details of the program. We just kind of know the big deal, details of that. Um, and it's important to be aware that shared, basically shared equity mortgage means that the government, the CMH is getting a stake in your property. So um, they're basically putting up some of the money in order to help you come up with a down payment and afford the property. So your mortgage payments are more affordable, but when you actually go to sell your property, you're going to have to give them a percentage of the appreciation of the property. So you have to ask yourself, do you really, you know, some people use that appreciation of the property to move up in the real estate market. But if you have to pay off the government, then you might not have as much money when you sell your property as you had hoped. So you really need to consider the big picture and see if you're comfortable giving away part of the equity of your property. I mean, it can be a great way to get your foot in the door, but you just have to be aware that uh, you'll have to pay off the government eventually when you do sell your property later on. Okay, that's great. And then just a quick message to the listeners. If you're listening to this episode, let's say months or years after it's been published, then you're probably wondering, well, what the latest rules and changes are right now since we've actually recorded this episode, since obviously these mortgage rules are, you know, they change and they're going to continue to change over time. Um, So if you want to find that out, we've set up a special page where you can get a free consultation with Sean to get all those updates and questions answered and basically be up to date on everything before you buy your next house or maybe it's your first house or maybe you want to buy an investment property property, you know, or maybe you're renewing your mortgage. So if you do want to make sure that you are up to date sort of on these latest rules, uh, you can get a free over the phone meeting with Sean. And so the page that we, we've we created for you is buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. So just S-E-A-N. Uh, so that's buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. So you can go there, uh, you can sign up, and then Sean's been nice enough to basically, um, you know, kind of you know, put his name out there, put his contact information uh, that, you know, um, out there so that you can get in touch with him and you can ask him questions. You know, especially if you want to sort of get up to date on sort of these latest rules and if they apply to you and if there's any way you can use them to sort of, you know, be put in a better situation. Um, so, yeah. So thank you, Sean, for, you know, for doing that for all the listeners of the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on this episode. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, so now I'm a big fan of using a mortgage broker. We, you know, I've already, I think that's come off <laughs> as obvious, you know, at this point because I've, I've mentioned, you know, using it myself and 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 it's great. Now I've consistently used a mortgage broker back when we had a mortgage, but you know, I can see some Canadians debating whether they should just go with their existing bank for the convenience or maybe just Googling something like, you know, lowest mortgage rates, right? And then trying to get some mortgage online with the lowest rate that they can find. And we've already talked about this a bit from the bank side. You know, what are the pros and cons of each of these approaches? And are there any other approaches that I didn't mention? Well, I touched on earlier about the issues of going with the banks. I mean, it's definitely convenient to visit your neighborhood branch, but the fact of the matter is you really need to look out for yourself because, they're just going to tell you about the products that they offer and you really need to do your own due diligence and research the cons of their products and see if there's a better option out there. So many people are very busy and they don't want to spend hours upon hours of research uh, to find a better option out there. So that's really a benefit of going with uh, a mortgage broker because they're basically doing that work for you and uh, they save you time and money as well. Now, as you mentioned, Cornell, another option is you could just 
Google lowest mortgage rates or use one of the mortgage rate comparison websites out there. And while that's fine and dandy, and you can find a good mortgage rate, as I mentioned earlier, there are so many different factors that determine what mortgage rate you pay, the percentage of your down payment, the loan to value, whether it's a purchase, transfer, or refinance, you really need to be able to be searching in, in the right manner to find the lowest rate because most likely when you see those super low rates out there, it's for a high ratio mortgage when you're putting less than 20% down. So you could be looking at for and, and find all these great rates, but then you find that you don't qualify for them. So you're just wasting your time. So if you just want to save yourself a ton of time and instead of doing the research yourself, have a somebody, a trusted individual do it for yourself, um, then that's when we're using a mortgage broker makes a lot of sense because the mortgage broker will basically do the research for you. And yeah, not only will they save you time, they'll save you money too, because they typically have access to all the same lenders that you would find online. So really using a mortgage broker is a no brainer. And yeah, they'll tell you about the pros and cons of the various products. It's not just a matter of you doing all the research yourself. I mean, I certainly encourage people to do due diligence, but if you want like a true financial picture and you want a trusted advisor who will ask the right questions and tell you both the pros and the cons of various products, instead of just staring at a computer screen and figuring out for yourself, that's when a mortgage broker makes a lot of sense. So certainly, you know, I use a mortgage broker myself when I was looking for a mortgage. I went to the banks myself as well, and I used the website. So I went through all three. And speaking from personal experience, uh, I, I can definitely say that working with a mortgage broker, I had the best experience. So very glad that I used the mortgage broker and might be a bit biased by saying this because I'm a mortgage broker myself. But if I had to do it all again, I would certainly use a mortgage broker. So yeah, those are kind of my two cents on that for sure yeah after i mean after we used the mortgage broker you know, the first time we bought a house it, there was no going back i we, you know we kept using a mortgage broker as well over the years and, and kind of to your point you know if you look at those comparison sites it's can be useful and you use it to let's say find a rate that you find is a lot lower than at like the bank you were considering let's say but then now let's say you know you reach out to them and you start going through you know you start jumping through the hoops through uh, with them well at that point you no longer have anyone in your corner, right? Because you're now, it's kind of like the same now as if you went into the bank in the sense that exactly. they're selling you, they're trying to sell you their mortgage, of course. So they're not going to tell you, oh, our portability isn't is actually not there or, or our cancellation fees are a lot higher. I mean, they're not going to tell you that because now you're talking to a salesperson of that mortgage, whereas exactly. you could have a mortgage broker on your side saying, well, actually this lender does have the, these higher fees and it does have, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, you know, why would you, you're, you're, you're really going at it alone and why would you? It's not like you, you know, like you said, mortgage brokers in, in most cases are totally free. You know, it's not like you have to pay them out of pocket because they get paid from the lender. And so why wouldn't you take advantage of that service? That's a good point for sure. And the other thing too was I remember like you, when we were looking for our mortgage, we used a mortgage broker, but I also did my own due diligence. So I did just like you went on the, checked out what the banks are offering, checked out what these mortgage comparison sites are offering. And I remember when I did it, I, I basically went to the mortgage broker and said, hey, look, you know, here's the lowest rate that I've been able to find. 
can you get me there as well with what you're offering? Because the way I thought of it was, well, if I can get the lowest rate using the mortgage broker that I can find on the internet, plus I'm getting one-on-one service with a mortgage broker, you know, someone that wants on my side and wants my business and that kind of a thing, and as an option to all these other mortgages, why why wouldn't I do that, right? And so for us, I remember that's the way things ended up going is I found the lowest rate. I asked the mortgage if they can hit it. They hit it. They gave us really good prepayment privileges, you know, along like what some of the other pieces you mentioned. And I mean, it, w- it was sort of the perfect thing, right? Because we got the lowest rate and the other piece that you were talking about as well. And and we got the one-on-one service and I had someone in my corner as opposed to just kind of going at it alone and trying to negotiate with a salesperson that does this professionally. So yeah, so that was kind of our experience and hopefully that's helpful to, to some people. So Sean, you do uh, offer a free consultation to Build With Canada listeners. So I, like I said, I want to thank you for giving listeners of the show a way to get in touch with you and basically get their mortgage questions answered uh, for free. Uh, so for anybody listening, if you do want some questions answered or if you're already planning to buy a house now or in the future or maybe your mortgage is coming up for renewal and you want some information to you know, help you get the best rates and terms on your mortgage, uh, you can chat with Sean for free by going to buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. So that's just S. E-A-N. So buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. You can just enter your name and email there. And basically, I'm going to send those over to Sean. And he you know, he can get in touch with you. And you guys can find a time that works well for both of you guys to have a phone call. And he'll, he, uh, he said he'll be happy to answer you know questions that you may have. And that's it. So Sean, you know, thanks so much for coming on the show again and, and for making yourself available to help out all the Build Wealth Canada listeners. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me again, Cornell. Awesome. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to ask Sean your questions by going to buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. That's just S-E-A-N. He'll be able to answer them for you for free. And if you're looking for a mortgage or will need to renew your mortgage in the near future, definitely go to that same link at buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean to get his research on the best mortgages that he's been able to find all across Canada. And also so that you can learn what to look for before deciding on a mortgage. It doesn't cost you anything. And at the very least, you'll have someone that can help answer your mortgage questions. And you'll also get the mortgage checklist guide for free so you can learn more about what to look for when deciding on a mortgage. So to get all that, just go to buildwealthcanada.ca and enter your email. Enjoy, and I hope you found all the information useful. And of course, if you haven't already as a Build Wealth Canada listener, don't forget to get that free one-year subscription to Canadian Money Saver Magazine and also double that interest rate that you're currently getting in your checking account and savings accounts by signing up for free to my favorite bank and the bank that I've been using for years over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. Once you do that, forward me any email that EQ sends you over to bonus at buildwealthcanada.ca and I'll send you the coupon code that gets you a free one-year subscription to Canadian Money Saver magazine. You'll also get that extra perk of unlimited free Interact e-transfers every month and you'll know that you're getting one of the highest interest rates in Canada on your savings account. So that link again is buildwealthcanada.ca slash EQ. Thank you for supporting the show in that way and have a great week. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca.